0: This is a podcast called What Am I Doing With My Life by Andrea (laughs) Sadowski. Thanks for tuning in to my first ever podcast. This podcast is to try to help me figure out what I want to do with my life. Um, It's also to help me get over my imposter syndrome and my fear of being known and my hatred for listening to my own voice. Uh, It's really an act of self-care. I thought of this podcast During the depths of a depressive episode, I had just left my first nine to five job out of university, started medication, and I was feeling really shitty about myself and making this podcast is just a way for me to have deep conversations and connect with people who I love and people whose lives and careers I admire and want to exemplify in my own life. So I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please leave a rating and review wherever you're listening right now. That would really help me. And this first episode features one of my very best friends, Darian. Um, we talk really candidly about life and work and capitalism. <laughs> and I hope you like it. Enjoy.
1: Okay, buddy, let's dive into it. Let's do it. We're here, Dozer. We're here, with Dozer. <laughs>
0: and you are Darian. I wanted to bring you on because we met at work. We've worked in two places together. We lived in two places together, and I've seen you go through many life and career changes. You, I first met you and you were—we were both staff writers at the Cascade U of V's student yeah. newspaper—and then you became feature editor. And we worked at the Youth Shelter together, different shifts, but same shelter. Um, and then you worked at the cannabis Shop. You're a barista. You're in community development. That. Um, a community services society, along with so many other internships and research projects and unpaid gigs.
1: Unpaid labor. <laughs> <to> community <laughs> development. Yeah.
0: Um, including your most recent passion project, Zapta Magazine. A community development magazine that you curate and edit and write for. Yeah. And... I've also seen you struggle a lot with mental health in all the jobs. And I think we're really similar because we love the work, but it's so
1: (laughs) detrimental.
0: It's so detrimental. Like I, I could, I could say I've loved all my jobs, but I've also struggled with my mental health in all my jobs. Like I remember I worked on in lodge jobs and fishing lodge jobs and looking back I'm like, that was awesome. Like, I love the work. I loved it, but I don't remember like doing it and having literal panic attacks in yeah. the washroom because yeah. it was so, so much to live and work with people mm-hmm. and the youth shelter. I look back and like, that was great, but I but still, it was- it's <laughs> like I was having mental breakdowns every yeah, shift. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But you love it. So yeah, yeah, we love it and we hate it and we're both, going through the same struggle right now which is we don't know what we're doing with our life and we're on mental health breaks.
1: Woo late 20s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah yeah it's a lot there like we have known each other for so long and I feel like where we started was like undergrad yeah activism because we were both in GDS like Mm -hmm. both in that sphere and like that's mainly activism and yeah all development and then our job at the newspaper like a lot of that revolved around activism Mm -hmm. like one of the earliest pieces I think I remember like collaborating with you on was going out and interviewing homeless people like under the bridge like we just went down the road from UFE and interviewed people so like we yeah both of us really do put a lot of time and effort and energy into community development work and into helping people who are underserved and I think it comes from a place of emotional investment, and that's why it hurts us so much. Not hurts yeah. us, but like it kind of it just really sucks us drive energy. Yeah. Because you're giving 100% of your energy into a person. Like, if you're dealing with a person in a crisis, which a lot of the times we were, like the youth shelter, oh my goodness, like, you're 100% of your attention needs to be on that person at that yeah. time to like critically problem solve. This person's freaking out. How do I calm them down? How do I control the room? Like, yeah, it's a it's a hard job working because, yeah, essentially we lived there at the youth shelter, like, yeah, shifts. It was crazy. And then I would like not that we always had the same pass off, but like we lived together and then we passed shifts off together. What a funny dynamic. But yeah, I was like, we'd go home
0: and we'd still be at work. We'd we'd be be talking talking about
1: work. Yeah, which I think kind of was like helpful for the work. Because we were so invested. We knew everyone so was going on in their yeah. life. And how they're acting with you and me and other people and other staff. So it gave us a really interesting perspective. But it, like, took all of our time. And that was 2020, mainly.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Like I pretty, like, got
0: the job in May of... 2020. yeah and, and then I, you came on
1: September 2020.
0: Oh, that soon! Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right, right when the pandemic. So I think I took three or four months off when the pandemic hit, and then I started working right away at the youth shelter because you had told me about it. And mm-hmm. then I think you moved in after I started. I there. moved in in November. Yeah, so it would have been like two months after, yeah. and then we had the winter, and the pandemic. And opioid crisis, all happening at mm-hmm. once. Oh my God! We we're going out to mission every day. Like yeah, I remember transiting like in university still. Yeah, and I was taking a cl- two classes at the time, and I used to transit. And on top of that, I look back at this time and I shake my head because I have no idea how I had the capacity to do what I did. but yeah. I went to the fucking gym every morning. Like, at 5 o'clock in the morning, I think I'd be at the gym, and then I'd go transit into mission, work a 12-hour shift, transit home, and work, like, at 8 p.m. I'd get off, and I'd need to be in mission at 8 a.m. the next day. So, like, I got home at, like, 10.30 sometimes, and I get, like, gosh, like, five hours of sleep, maybe six hours if I'm lucky.
0: Why do you think... Like what changed that you had the capacity then, I but not now. Do you think it was the four on four off schedule? Because I, really I love like that. that.
1: Yeah. I
0: hate the five day a week and then you get two days on your weekend. I do not think yeah. that's enough. No. I much rather did the twelve hour shift four days on and then you have four whole days off work. That's yeah a good amount of time.
1: Yeah, and I I'm driving now, so I think it'd be more manageable if I did that now. But I do like that schedule.
0: Yeah. I appreciated the union, I appreciated the benefits, I appreciated the four-on-four-off, didn't like the lack of job security, like, it felt like, like, we were in a union, so we had job security, but they were always hanging over our heads, like, the shelter's gonna close, or this or that is gonna happen, like, BC Housing's not gonna give our funding, like, it was always, like, on the forefront of my mind, like, we were never, like, at peace, really. Yeah,
1: totally. Totally. And just, oh my gosh. I mean, the youth shelter was one thing. Like, there were obviously really clear issues. And then they wanted to have a an OPS too. Like, a youth OPS. Do you remember when we first set it up how much fighting there was between the kids? I don't remember that. that maybe because you worked the night shift. But there was so much arguing between, like, the kids who were using the shelter. Like, some of them wanted to smoke. There were, like, two just chronic potheads there. Mm-hmm. And that's all that they did. And then we have this couple, you know, that just constantly argues and they're doing meth. And, like, another girl who's, like, partially disabled also using meth in the OPS. So, like, imagine the fighting that's going on between everyone trying to use the OPS at once. Like, yeah. the weed smokers would be like, I don't want the meth heads smoking near me. The meth heads will be fighting and then the weed smokers get involved. Like, it just turned into chaos. Like... I feel like it was constantly managing chaos when that thing first opened up because mm-hmm. it was also snowing at the time. So then mm-hmm. a lot of the kids didn't even want to go outside. No. So one of them was constantly smoking in the bathroom, yeah. sitting all the time in there. Like yeah. the space was semi-disastrous. Yeah,
0: I just uh. remember there was one girl who there was no in and outs right in the nighttime, and she needed to go. She was a heroin addict. She needed to go get her fix. And yeah. she couldn't, like the rules said, if she left now to use, she couldn't come back in. But you can't, at that time, there was no using drugs, oh my period. Gosh, yes, I so that. you can either use drugs in the house, break the rules, get kicked out. Or you can leave to use drugs and not get le- and let can back be in. be out all night. Yeah. So in the
1: freezing cold. Yeah. In as an underage person. Like, yes. What the hell? As a woman.
0: As, as a, like a an yeah, indigenous disabled, disabled woman. woman <laughs> what
1: in the fuck? And who's like, addicted
0: to heroin, who could go and, or fentanyl, whatever she was, whatever opioid she was right, taking you know, that night. I don't remember. And oh my gosh. She, there was nobody watching her. She could have been overdose, she could have been victimized. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And we I got in literally like so much trouble for letting her back. So she eventually used and then she right. came back right. and obviously it was raining. It was dark. Yeah. It was 3am. I let her back inside the house. Like she already had a bed there yeah. and I got in so much trouble. And then after that, I emailed the manager and I said, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. You have like telling these kids they can't use drugs is like telling someone who really needs to go pee, that they can't go pee. Like, it's like their body is physically addicted, and if you're going to house them, you need
1: a solution. Like, and they will put themselves at risk to satisfy that need. So, like, that's where we're stepping in as, like, the supervisors of a youth shelter for youth who need to be supervised. Like, we are making the best decisions for these kids right now, based on our judgment. So, to get in trouble for it, it just doesn't make... Any sense, because like always, the safety of that person is the first priority, and it should be. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the rules would go against, so it gets complicated. Like you c- actually cannot always follow the rules in a place like that, because every case is like it's going to be so different.
0: Yeah, especially when you're dealing with youth, and that's like they're extra vulnerable.
1: Yeah,
0: it just speaks something. The fact that we're still bothered by these speak yeah. to like we were so invested in the <sighs> lives of these kids. Yeah. That was our life. Like, half of our life was spent, or a quarter of our life, I guess, was spent at the shelter with these kids. And then you burned out and moved yes. to the cannabis
1: place. Yes. Yeah.
0: And I had an accident and went on medical leave.
1: Yeah, Yeah, because so... you know what? I remember my very first shift at the cannabis store. You called me to tell me that you <laughs> from were the, hospital.
0: the hospital. Yeah. That
1: was my first shift at the cannabis store.
0: I... Relate, I don't know about you, but I relate my work, like, we're both GDS, Global Development Studies students, we got into this field because we want to help people, we want to make the planet a better place, and we've taken it, the whole burden, onto our shoulders to do that, and we made that our professions, (laughs) and I've been working through, like, almost like a codependency issue, because I need to be needed, I need to be fixing... People, hmm. and that's why I tend to gravitate towards nonprofit and people-centered nonprofits. Hmm. But what do you think? What motivated you to enter this line of work, like community development, and go into that field of study? And how does it, like, how does your life background affect yeah, that?
1: That's a really good question. And the first thing that comes to mind is like spite and anger <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just so irritated at the way that the world operates and. Just the way that it impacts, like, the most vulnerable people. And it so obviously does. And it feels like we all know this, yet nothing's happening. hmm And, like, I just... I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question, and I think I need to, like, reflect on that more. Yeah, I just... I do want to help people, like, genuinely. I do like making people feel good, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you can't really, like fix the world system alone and I've tried to do more collective large-scale activism and I feel like it's just sort of burnt me out even more and Mm. it doesn't feel as effective um, as
0: effective as what like community-based
1: as just doing small-scale things that like can make a difference in people's lives if you can brighten like one person's day I think that can sometimes make more of a difference than like trying to target systemic change and I'm conflicted on this because systemic change really needs to happen and I think I just go in and out of periods where I'm like okay I have the energy to put in to like bigger activism projects and then sometimes I'm like okay I need to go like kind of more micro and just chill out and also like you need to take care of yourself too Mm -hmm. so because you cannot really give very much if you're burnt out so I think like it's hard to just. I don't even know what the question was anymore. I'm feeling like I'm <laughs> a whole rabbit hole now. Of well, like, doesn't it's... systemic
0: change happen one person at a time though? Like,
1: I don't think so. No, I think that it takes like. I mean, maybe. I, I
0: how does that happen then? How do we make systemic? Like, how does a how do whole I systems I have
1: no idea. change? Because I've debated within myself like how this might happen and it's like yeah we can focus on like changing one person's mind at a time and we all write letters and like they're just ignored. I mean look at the McKee Peak development plan. Like everyone came out and expressed so much like they were displeased with this like proposed plan and they all made that very clear. Mm-hmm. And yet it was unanimously ignored by mm-hmm. Abbotsford City Council. Like, the decision was made.
0: Yeah, not and to mention so, the hundreds of letters that were sent yeah, when the, during the planning exactly. process. I mean, yeah.
1: that was a huge... Like, for Abbotsford, I feel like that was a big movement. Mm-hmm. And nothing happened. So it's like, do we sit on the outside and try to make change? Or do we try to make change from the inside? And I think that... I don't know if that's possible either. Because you need, like everyone on the inside to be in the same boat, or at least the majority of people on the inside to be in the same boat. And I, I don't know, like maybe that would make more of a difference because even to pass a bill, like you need to have like the agreement of whatever. I don't know what the passing vote is, but like at Mm -hmm. least 50% or 80%, you know, you need to have those people on the inside. And that would very clearly make change. Mm I've seen these outside activism projects and like they're not always conducive to like effective change because sometimes they can get really sloppy and messy and like I mean you look at it on both sides like left and right, the trucker, convoy like How people don't take that seriously but look how big it is Mm -hmm. and then our like i was our but like left movement like say the rail blockades like we thought that was hugely successful but to other people we just look like a bunch of nut jobs like Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like we are just fueling like dissent in our community against each other which is like somewhat fair because it's these are really serious issues we're talking about but that energy could be so much better directed like actually working to like change the systems that are operating and by doing like, I, I just feel like maybe it's time to like start electing people in that we want to see in That's, and running yeah. for the positions that we want. Um, it
0: yeah. surprises me that you've been in Abbotsford for so long, like because it's such a conservative oh God, place and a know. conservative Valley. And I feel like you would have a better time yeah. and just be less stressed in like a more liberal, municipality like in Vancouver or wherever like why have you stayed is it just this is what you know you
1: know what primarily i can't afford to live anywhere else yeah like i can't the place i have right now is a really good deal but i've also been able to find little pockets of community that have been really nice and i've been able to invest myself in that um which has been a lifesaver but recently Excuse me recently I've been a little bit disheartened like by the community around me and I am thinking like uh maybe it's time to move on because it's taking too much of a toll on me um like
0: but, what is like the work
1: no just like
0: the political climate in general
1: the political climate the community climate like the neighborhood concert series issue that happened recently like, that was super disappointing, Um, just like watching a whole group of people be super dismissive of like some of my concerns, and I feel like that was a big part of the community I had cultivated in Abbotsford specifically, it's like a lot of those people in downtown Abbotsford that were my friends, like artists, creatives, musicians, I've, that I think maybe was what I was kind of investing the last couple years of my life in, and I haven't quite found another niche that is, is like embodying the same kind of like creative values that is more morally aligned with me if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah and there's like some people that i can connect with but there isn't really like a group and i am trying to build that like through Zapda and uh the recent recent collaborations with like issue co Abby arts collective um other creators like I guess I still have, like, some sort of hope. Or, like, I'm just trying my best because I have to. Like, I have to try and make some sort of little community. Mm-hmm. Or else I'm gonna, like, die here. I mm-hmm. will die. Like, I'm gonna die of sadness and just frustration. Like, it's awful. Yeah, like, it totally overlaps with my mental health. And mm-hmm. so, that's what I'm kind of doing, I guess. To try and make my life a little more bearable in the valley. Like
0: Through Zapta?
1: Through Zapta, through other community collaborations. Like, I'm still trying to meet other people. It just feels like there's a tra- I'm a a yeah, transition period in my life right now. like so there is like a bit of a fresh start here. and a lot of my time since I've been off work because I have been off work for about three weeks now. the The time I've been off, I've been focusing on Zaphda and just like building that up. And we had our Halloween events. So yeah, that's kind of where my energy is going right now mm-hmm. in terms of community.
0: What was so like mentally depleting about being, working in community development?
1: Um, I'm still trying to put a finger on that to be honest. Like I'm still trying to figure out like why I actually needed to leave and why like my heart just wasn't really in the work anymore. Yeah. There felt like some conflict that would be irredeemable between a colleague and I because of how different we worked. Mm -hmm. We just worked at a really different pace and a different style. So that was creating a lot of conflict that we tried really hard to work through because we were friends also. So it was like kind of this reoccurring conflict. And the program was like a little bit disorganized at some times, too. And I was still learning the job and learning the role. Like it took me Mm -hmm. a lot of time just to learn that role. Mm And then we were being asked to do like multiple projects and multiple different things at once Mm -hmm. and being pulled in a lot of different directions and overburdened and like, when can we say yes to something? And when can we say no to something? Yeah. Like, and we had at one point three people on my team. So I'm like collaborating with three other people and collaborating in a nonprofit environment when you're working together, it means discussing every single issue. Yeah. So many meetings. Fleshing the shit out of every fucking little thing. Mm -hmm. And it. That was what really got to me. It felt like my colleague had endless energy to do that. Let's catch up briefly. Let's have a meeting. Let's video conference. Like, and I just, like, I'm a very introverted person. Especially if I'm struggling with my mental health. I can't converse as much as as needed. And, uh, yeah. It got to be very taxing. Yeah. And I wasn't really sure what kind of difference we were making a lot of the time. It just felt like...
0: Yeah. Dude, I... (sighs) Um, That's literally... I could just say the exact same thing. That's literally yeah. what what was so draining. Like it was a problem because I loved it, and you could tell that you love the work. Like that's what you went to school for. Yeah, you like the work. I love the work, but exactly the same problems. Like overburdened. Way it felt like I was one person doing the job of three people, and then yeah, collaborating with people, the budgets of nonprofits. Like working around and yeah, not even job. having a budget, yeah. and like. Also just the I not getting paid what I felt like I was worth was a big like it really made me resent the job and the commute back and forth not getting paid like the expense of driving from Chilliwack to Abbotsford that wasn't getting and we didn't get benefits we got 4% in lieu of benefits which is a joke it was just too much work for too little pay and that's ultimately What did it end for me? Like when I saw my finances and realized I saved as much money this year as I did when I was a student, like I'm not making any more money than I did. Um, Maybe even less. Yeah. And then my mental health collapsed. I think for so long, I was a high functioning, overachieving little girl and I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm you fine. You
1: gaslit the shit out of yourself. <laughs> oh my god.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. And finally one day it did me in. Like my my supervisor asked me, Are you okay? And just that one question, oh. I started crying. I'm like, No and wow. I started crying when I said no and then she's like, She'd never seen me cry before wow. and she was like, Oh, do you wanna hug? I'm like, No, I, I need to I need to leave and so I went to, like this corner like the secluded hallway corner in our office building and cried and then I'm like shit I cannot do this so then I went on lunch break and then I texted my boss I'm like I'm not coming back from lunch break I need the rest of the day off and then she texted me later that night because we had a staff meeting that like we had monthly staff meetings that are mandatory and she's like we're, we're considering moving that to accommodate you once we have another day off because I know today was rough and I'm I, I texted her I'm like It doesn't matter what day you move it to. I'm still gonna be dead inside. And she's like, "You need to see." She was pressuring me to see a doctor even in the summer because it was the summer, and I I always thought my depression was like seasonal affective disorder, but it was summer solstice, and I was like, "It's the longest day of the year, and I still feel like this. Uh, This is this is real depression. This isn't." She had told me before to look into meds, and I had never taken any meds for my mental health, and finally when she, she said that, and my therapist told me later that night, I had a therapy appointment that day too, he said, yeah, go to the doctor, and I went to the doctor and I told them I want to die, and I've wanted to die for a long time, at least a year, and they're like, that's not normal, (laughs) that's not a normal feeling, but I was gaslighting myself into thinking, like, this is just how Life is under the capitalist system. Like you wake up and you go to work.
1: And you want and to you, Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> what? <And> so <laughs> no. I was just living and just like I need to find meaning through my work. I don't work to pay the bills and like work to make ends meet. I work to find meaning in my life. So I just put a lot of my heart and my soul into whatever job I'm doing, whether it's like the working for a climate change project or editing a school newspaper or, like, working in a youth shelter. I'm, like, whole ass in it.
1: Yeah. Which is kind of dangerous.
0: Yeah. Very taxing mentally. Like, it takes up all your mental energy until you realize, I don't have any for my own
1: Yeah.
0: personal passion. Yeah. Like, what, this is my whole life now. So, and then not to be appreciated for something that oh God, feels no. like your whole yeah. life. So, yeah, just mental breakdowns. Mm-hmm. It happens.
1: Yeah. So what have you learned from that?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Right now, this is just my body getting used to SSRIs.
1: Yeah.
0: So that's, that's originally why I took the time off, because the doctor, he subscri- he gave me prescription and he said, It's going to take a month for this to kick in and during that month you're going to have some side effects. So most people like to take time off work so that their body adjusts to it and to get rid of one more stressor. So I took that and my body's been adjusting to it so far. I've had all the side effects and none of the, none of the benefits.
1: Really? how long has it been now?
0: Three weeks.
1: Oh. So Mm -hmm.
0: maybe it takes, maybe that, maybe next week. Usually
1: I feel the effects of a medication change like within the week. Yeah. To two weeks. And I've been on a lot of different medications.
0: There's some things, like, I noticed... Actually, Lucas pointed it out to me that I no longer need background noise. Like, I used oh. to always put on The Office, King of the Hill, right. whatever. And now I can just... Yeah. Have a blank mind. Yeah. But I also just kind of feel numb. Like, kind of feel mm-hmm. like a, a bit of a zombie. Yeah.
1: I've felt the same things. Yeah, it's, like, a, it's a calmness. And so it's good, because you're not, like, freaking out with mm-hmm. depression.
0: But you're still like, what am I doing with but that you're life? still
1: just like, I fucking hate everything. And, I don't know, for me at least, like, it's just... I'm not finding joy or pleasure in doing many things, but I'm, like, stable. Medication is so tricky. Yeah. I've been trying to, like, play around with the... I shouldn't be playing around with my dosage, but I've had to, because it's just been... Like, the side effects have been too bad, but taking, um, uh, what the fuck is it called? Siroquil at nighttime, like, during, for sleeping, um, like, it's made me really, really drowsy the next day,
0: Mm. and then
1: I find, like, I can't do anything all day, so I'm, like, I'm in bed, Mm -hmm. just, like, no motivation to do Mm -hmm. is just turning into, like, a fucking mess, so I can't take too much of it. And then I take, like, venlafaxine in the morning, which is my antidepressant. That's supposed to give me energy. It doesn't. Uh, I've just been finding I'm just tired all the time. And, yeah. Like, I'm in bed a lot of the time, and so I'll smoke weed to try and get things done, because it will give me energy. Really? And I, like, I'm finding I have to do that, because I can't get anything done otherwise. But I got ZAPTA.
0: You have your own zen.
1: Yeah, I do. My and own
0: how meal. is that building momentum?
1: Yeah, it's building momentum. Yeah. <laughs> It is. Um, yeah, I feel like as it's built momentum, I'm now running out of momentum for it. Yeah. Which sucks. But I think it's going to be taking a small, like, few-month break as I take a little break in my life. But for the past two years, it's been, like, every three or four months, I've been able to put on an issue. And the, pa- the last two, I printed. And I'm just running into a lot of financial costs with it. Like, mm. this just... It's actually I can't even put anything online as a digital booklet anymore because the account that I was using, now they've updated their policy where you have to pay for a su- subscription to have more than like three or four publications oh, on there. Yeah, so one of my issues is like literally a lost issue right now, um, the poetry edition. I had uploaded to issue and they currently have it locked because I don't have a like a membership or whatever and. It just happened that my freaking laptop died too. And Mm. the files for that copy of Zapdos is like stuck on the internet. I can't get it off unless I buy a membership and they charge you annually. So I'm like, I'm not paying, you know, a couple hundred dollars for an issue. So that's kind of not an option anymore. I don't have, I mean, I have a website. I'm really not good at managing it. It takes forever to upload content. And... It kind of takes a bit of the life out of the work sometimes, like, putting it on the website, I find. Um, And then, yeah, the last two issues I have printed, but major printing costs. Like, printing is super, super expensive. Like, I bought a laser printer, which I kind of regret now, because I should have just bulk printed it somewhere at Staples. Like, it's not that much more cost-effective to print at home like I thought it would be. But I bought this $400, like, off the, you know, off the back of the truck kind of printer, like... Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a little finicky at times, but it's a laser printer. Um, Spent like $400 on that and like $400 on ink. So like the first issue ended up costing like $800 wow. to just print the one issue. And, I got and you don't have
0: copies. any sponsors or anything. No. You're doing this out of pocket. I
1: did it out of pocket. Now this- now the second issue too, like I had to end up I, I had to buy a new cartridge because the leftovers from last time didn't work. So it was like $170 for this cartridge and like I had no money. Like oh my God. I would maybe make that back selling all the copies of Zapda that I printed. And so it's just crazy expensive the printing costs. And even to bulk print it somewhere like at Staples or whatever, like it seemed to be very pricey. Um so I'm just having some production costs, like issues right now. Which makes it very challenging to be, or, like, it just kind of kills my motivation a little bit for Zapta. Like, I can't put it online now, and I can barely afford to print it. Um, so I need to figure, Damn. like, something out, or, like, just wait until I have more money to put into it. But right now, since I'm on, like, a hiatus from work, I don't have the income to put into it. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just going to be on a hiatus for a while, and I still want to... I think my next step is like i want more contributors i want to diversify my contributor pool because a lot of the time it's the same couple people Mm -hmm. and i love having like guaranteed submissions every Mm -hmm. time but i want more people from a diverse like background to Mm -hmm. be contributing like it's just my community and my immediate community those who i can kind of reach out to but i think it would be good to like go through UFE and like reach out to some writing professors and some graphic design students or like Mm -hmm. art students and just gather some people for a little while and then start planning another issue and that gives me time to kind of save up money um but I we had the Zapta release last week when was that? What day Saturday, is it?
0: like a week ago. <laughs> Not even a week what ago. What day is Today's Tuesday. Yeah. Was- <laughs> like, the life is non working. Yeah. We don't know what fucking day it is. Damn. Yeah.
1: Yeah, on Saturday we had the release and like I thought I would sell all the copies. There are two copies left of the ten that I brought and I have another market coming up. Oh, nice. You're selling at little markets? Uh, yeah, but it's so expensive, even, like, this market, For a table? For a table, it's it's really costly, because the organizer did it in a space that's expensive. It's downtown Abbotsford. Mm. Um, everything's fucking gentrified as hell down there, so you have to pay a million dollars for a space, so... That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's... But it is good to kind of do those community events. Like, the past two events we've had for Zapped, I really liked. That embodies... That's like, I just feel like that was the missing piece of Zapta, actually. And I didn't realize it until after it happened. Community connection, in person, tangible, you can see people, Mm -hmm. talk to people. Like, it's what... Zap embodies.
0: bodies yeah and the people at those community events are the people who are super involved in the community
1: that's true and yeah, the other booths true. that you
0: meet there like yeah you make yeah. a lot of connections at these
1: little, like jam and jubilee Oh, mm-hmm. uh, it was so fun our booth was right next to each other yeah that was great that
0: was a really good night i yeah. those were the that was probably the best month of work was yeah. every week we went to jam and gave away plants and yeah. we had some really fun volunteers working with us and yeah, It was just a good time. We both studied global development studies. And yeah. one thing I wanted to talk about was modernization theory. Because we are both bitches that don't want to work. But we are <laughs> born into a system, thanks to modernization theory, that we have to work. And the two key aspects of that are the Industrial Revolution and the Protestant reformation so yeah those two those two things are basically the reason why we're struggling today and have to get up and go to work i'm gonna
1: back you up a minute because define work and i think that that is what the industrial revolution and modernization theory really did because it's you're saying we don't want to work but we actually do want to work and Mm -hmm we do work every day like i get up and clean my house every single Mm -hmm. day i take care of things i need to take care of i do the things i work on projects that i feel called to work on like Mm -hmm. i don't just sit at home watch tv for Mm -hmm. like i'm not working i am working on something that is trying to give back and what the i mean the industrial revolution like that Made work well? No, We I mean we were doing shift work before that, but the industrial revolution really sped that up mm-hmm. and really increased the demand for that type of labor. Like, no one can really like stay home and. If we're talking about the industrial revolution, you're talking about like post World War II kind of stuff, correct?
0: I'm talking about no, no. I'm talking about the turning point when. So there used to be in like old timey Europe. 80% of the people right. were yes. like agricultural the, work just yeah, to put yeah, food yeah. on the table and to feed the population. Okay. And, and then the there became like steam powered and yes. mechanisms. Okay,
1: we're going way back. Yes. Okay, I'm yes. thinking of globalization post no. World War II that really, I guess those are both turning points. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I'm thinking of like, yeah, that is, that is, that was one big turning point, but I'm yeah. thinking way back to when we switched from more communalism, like, mm-hmm. we're working together as a community, yeah. and all of our livelihoods depend on each other, into oh. Oh. individualism and working for your, build up your own capital and your own yeah. property and, um...
1: I mean, before that, though, everybody was, like, peasants, and yeah. it, there was still, like, a global capitalist system going on. It so just took a different form.
0: that brings us to the Protestant Reformation, yeah, which was another huge thing, because... So yeah, the, it really primed Europe to take in like a progress-oriented way of life. Yeah, so, which
1: is the Protestant Reformation mindset. Yeah,
0: yeah, Catholicism, it benefited social and political inequality. Like monarchs and nobles, they were seen as yeah. appointed by God and yeah. closer to God. And obeying them was obeying God. Everything was the way it was because God made it yeah. that way. And then, Protestantism, Protestantism, specifically Calvinism, Mm. it made you feel guilty, because now you don't have a priest to go through, to tell your sins to, so you have to prove yourself worthy in the eyes of this all-righteous God.
1: I think that you're talking about history that goes back further, because Catholicism, if you're talking about, like, Europe, back in the day, like, the, um... Like, Martin Luther was the one that turned the Mm -hmm. monarchy away from Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of back and forth. Um, But Martin Luther, like, led the church reformation. Mm -hmm. That's what drew people... Like, all... um, You couldn't go to church without listening to um, a sermon in Latin. And Mm -hmm. the... So the Luthers really took the need for, like, a pope or an intermediary out of play... And that put... That was, like, a uh, move toward individualization, mm-hmm. because everybody could interpret the Bible in, for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then I think the Protestant Reformation would be more of, like, now you're putting that work ethic, and, like, I, I'm not sure on the time here, but, like, yeah, it was basically a gradual move away from, like, uh, conservation of power, which was, like, held by the monarchy, and then we had, like, our share of the land that we'd work, and we were, like, mm-hmm. agrarian, because we had to be pretty much Mm -hmm. and we didn't have the resources that the kings had yeah and then gradually we had more autonomy over our lives which was good in a way but not good in a way because now we're moving towards like we make our own living and we make our own way Mm -hmm. and that moves us towards individualization and individualization can be really dangerous because it feeds into the capitalist system exactly every person has to work hard to earn their living and earn their place in our world. And then it became shameful to, like, ask for help, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. you think of, like, we don't want any... Like, if I had to go to the food bank, I'd be kind of embarrassed to say I had to go to the food bank. Mm -hmm. But that's a reality I'm facing right now. Like, yeah, I'm probably going to have to go to the food bank soon. Yeah. And I don't think we should be, but, like... Yeah, that's part of that modernization process where we're really moving towards the individual, and everyone can make their own choices for their own their own self. And it's yeah. good good and bad, right? Because nobody wants to be controlled, but we are still being controlled. Mm-hmm.
0: Like we still, yes.
1: oh, like we we have to go to our nine to five job or our whatever shift work job to make the money, and we are still trapped in a system. But we have this illusion of choice and control because we're individuals in charge of our own lives. Mm-hmm. As long as we obey this and do this and pay our taxes. like, And there's no escape. You can't go outside of the system. You mm-hmm. have to pay your... Literally, illegal, it's, it's illegal to not pay your taxes. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like how the taxes are being used, it doesn't matter. You still yeah. have to pay your taxes. Yeah. So, I don't know, if that's where you're going with that development. Like, how do we fix it? Andrea, how do we fix the system? Because that's what you're doing. That's <laughs> like, the thing. I
0: think it's recognizing yeah. where it all, where capitalism all started, and capitalism started with modernization, transforming yeah. traditional so- societies into modern, high-consuming, like work, huge work ethic yeah. societies. Um, and something I have always admired about you that you've been like rebellious in a way is you really prioritize rest and rest as a resistance. Yeah. I don't know if you do, if it just, it seems like I that.
1: have to, yes,
0: but resist. You've taught me a lot of how like resist is a resistance against capitalism and resist. against. Yeah.
1: Hmm? Yeah. You said resist resistance, resist,
0: resist.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is it's anarchy man yeah sleep in (laughs) (laughs) you probably will have trouble finding a meal but yeah sleeping
0: that's the thing it's i think it's it's so funny that now we want to get back our dream life is getting back to an agrarian society (laughs) where it's like (laughs) let's just live on a commune And grow our own food and be, like, live in a community rather than working for individual gain and capital. But there's also, like, I don't, like, you think I, when I first went to the Yellow Deli and read (laughs) their things, I'm like, this is great! Like, community purse and everybody's working. It's a cult. It's, yeah, how do you do that without being culty and weird about it? Oh, I think
1: you could easily do it. You know, my friend, actually, uh, who I did the recent after show was she was telling me about uh, this type of mortgage that these she heard about these people got. It's like a pizza mortgage. So like 15 friends got this mm. mortgage, bought a piece of land, and everybody's like individual mortgage rates are different, and it's like very personalized so that like everyone's paying in, but it's not like what someone else is paying. You kind of yeah. have security against like, you know, someone being shitty and not paying their share. But I think people are starting to do that, and I... I see a lot of families like that actually have money doing that. Um, You know, people from my church, like they happen to have the privilege to like have the land from family or whatever, you know, Sumas Prairie people, like they're doing that as best as they can. And I mean, in little ways, yeah, I guess there's like in little ways and there's in big ways, right? Because it's not getting a whole piece of land with your friends, but like however we can move towards that life it's good yeah like you're farming your backyard right like you yeah but I little... still
0: the land my landlord has me by the balls they can yeah tell me oh, I, totally I am using that's I'm not renting that space I'm renting yeah. that little patio up front right. all this was is other neighbors that they have yeah. been generous enough to say yeah, yeah it's being sure. unused you can use it but The landlords, they can take that away at any time.
1: It's just like, how else are we supposed to do anything? Like, I've never, I don't see myself being able to afford any piece of a mortgage soon. Like, I can't hardly even work. Yeah. So I was even thinking today, I cleaned my room and I like, I don't know, I just had everything I needed in that moment. And I was like, this is perfect. Like, Mm -hmm. I can just maintain this. Like, I've got a nice clean room, Mm -hmm. my cat, I'm fed, I'm watered, like... I got coffee, and then I have some weed, like, like <laughs> for the bare minimum, like, the bare minimum of life yeah. I'm just going to be happy with, because I just don't feel, like, any realistic hope of, like, buying a massive piece of land or property, you know?
0: It is a very far-off goal.
1: Yeah, and I'd love to be able to do that. It's just, I need to, like, stabilize myself first, and that's... It's hard to even mentally stabilize yourself in... A capitalist economy so that you can take the next step to being free of it. It
0: always feels like, yeah, you take a little bit of rest, you take a little break, but now you're ten steps behind. Yeah. And you can't get... You can't get ahead unless you're born ahead. Ahead,
1: yes. And people really don't realize how much privilege they have sometimes. Especially in this community. Like, I've noticed Chilliwack and Abbotsford, like... I don't know. People are just shocked. Like that you can't, like, manage your own self sometimes, mm. I think. Because it's just, like, if you don't have people around you to, like, lift you up and support you with fir- with already firm foundations, like, you're going to be stumbling a lot more than someone who has, like, a family to fall back on mm-hmm. or, like, a community they grew up on that's, like, collective kind of, like... That's kind of the vibe I get in, like, Chilliwack and Ampsford is, like, there's this, like, kind of pre-established community there that people have and do
0: you feel supported by a community no i don't no
1: i don't feel support like i don't i don't know like and i think i tried to cultivate that in church and it just didn't happen because everyone was already like that it wasn't really like a church community it was a community that was already there that like filtered into a church you know Mm -hmm. do you feel supported by a community
0: i definitely feel supported by i have a boyfriend who has a very stable, good-paying job. We yeah. have a rent-controlled apartment.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I have a mom who is, you know, pretty well off and can... I, I am too proud to take any money from anyone. Oh, right. But I definitely feel... I have a brother who also is super great and yeah. said, I'll help you with whatever you need. Yeah. So I feel supported as just... How much do I want to accept that support and be vulnerable enough to say, like, I need help? I couldn't even say I need help until it was like, I can't even work anymore. I'm so destroyed. I posted on my Instagram story the day it all happened or the day after the day I quit. Not quit, but I took a, a medical leave and... Got medication and I, there was an outpouring of support just on this little tiny social media platform that's also yes. very toxic, but yeah. well, also yeah. kind of a journal of my life. Like I can look mm-hmm. back in the stories and be like, oh, this happened at this time. Yeah. And people feel connected to me through looking at my stories every day. I don't realize like yeah. how people stay in touch with me just because they're looking at my stories and looking what I'm doing. I love doing. your
1: stories. Yeah. Your stories are absolutely delightful. Yeah.
0: So I I felt a lot of support when I finally came out and said, like, I have been, because, you know, I used to post, like, memes on my stories about, like, yeah. I hate my life and yeah. I hate my job, and people would be like, you okay? Like, you good? You would
1: go through meme binges. Like, yeah. Like, one day you'd just be like, my life sucks, and then you'd post, like, 20 hilarious memes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it felt good to finally say... I'm not I'm not good and then there were some people who were like you don't fit the mold of a depressed person like are you really? sure you need to be taking antidepressants like really depressed wow. people can't even get out of bed what? and like
1: Who said that to you?
0: I was so it's like I am such a high functioning Yeah. person and I guess you don't realize who is hiding it and how well.
1: Yeah. I, I think don't know. you overbusy yourself. To distract yourself from the depression, which is a very common thing that people do. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I do that with work. I submerge myself in work because if I'm always working, I don't think about how sad I am. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm like, I don't know what to do from here. Yeah,
1: you need to like just sit in your sadness and cry and be sad. And that's fine. That's what I've been doing. Like, yesterday I cried probably three or four times. I could not get out of bed. I went to bed at seven o'clock. Like, I was in bed all day. And then today I felt a little bit better. And I got up and I super cleaned my room. So you just gotta, like, feel it out. Yeah. And if you don't feel it out, it's gonna stay inside of you and fester. And then you're gonna distract yourself again. And you're gonna burn out again. Yeah. Like, it's really a call to healing. These kind of, like, breakdowns. I think. It is. I mean, it's just hard to manage. It's hard to, like address that call or listen to that call when you're worried about money and finances it is because
0: I'm always I literally interviewed for another job and I'm like I need to get back to work and I
1: don't know why you're doing that
0: I don't know either
1: I think you need to take a couple of months off like I know for myself because I did the same thing I I quit archway and then like well I need to do something Mm -hmm. you know and then what happened literally I instantly burned out like Mm -hmm. yeah and we're obviously not the same person but I think like if, you're safe. if you say, like, you're going to learn something from me, rest. Because <laughs>
0: you're yeah. just going to
1: make the mistake I made. Yeah. Which is going yeah. to work and then burning out again. Yeah. And it doesn't feel... It feels really bad to do that. That's, like, another hit on you that you need to then heal from. Yeah. It's like, oh, I tried and I, like,
0: And failed, failed again, yeah.
1: So don't set yourself up for failure. Like, set yourself up for success.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Any parting thoughts on...
1: The Protestant work ethic?
0: (laughs) 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 On work or capitalism or mental health.
1: I think, okay, yeah, work, work is not bad. Capitalism itself isn't bad, but the current form, organization of capitalism is a problem. I'm curious what other ways we can organize. Yeah. Yeah, this is a conversation that could take a million endless little detours, but... I think we kind of know, as a society, we need to be doing something else. What else? I don't know. Not being mentally ill is my um, goal now. It's my capitalist dream. It's my American dream. (laughs) (laughs) It's my Canadian dream. Yeah. I'm just going to, like, take care of my mental health, and then I'll see where my life goes.
0: That's a good dream. Yeah. Yeah. I should put that first instead of my work.
1: That's probably a good idea, because otherwise you're just, like, following that... You literally just internalized the Protestant work ethic. Yeah. And now you're using it to distract yourself. So, if you want to be truly anti-capitalist, Andrea, you actually need to Just be, be poor. Very poor. And not and work. you need to just stop working.
0: But w- at what end? Until I don't want to die anymore?
1: Well, I mean... Like, I'm, yeah, like, I'm going on medical EI for my mental health, so that's going to be, until I, like, feel that I'm mentally healthy enough to work again, I'm going to stay on some sort of support, Mm -hmm. because I don't have savings to go off of, so Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm mooching off the government, like, for a little while, and then when you feel mentally healthy enough and you have found a job that you think is satisfying, I mean, this is what I'm probably going to be doing, like, I imagine then I've, when I'm ready to go back to work, I'll go back to work. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you should force yourself to go back to work if you don't feel like you're ready to go back to work or if you feel like you're still struggling mentally. Like, if you're getting up every day and still feeling miserable, yeah. then don't be working. Yeah.
0: It's very hard recovering from a mental... Like, I took medical leave before, but that was, like, literally because, recovering from a physical yeah. illness. Like, I couldn't move my arm I couldn't walk and now it's like it's a totally different ball game to
1: you need to picture your mental health as like your physical health and I think like seasonally too for me at least like my depression in the winter I just know it's bad and every single year in the winter it's really bad and I imagine that probably I'm going to be feeling pretty bad throughout this whole winter. I'm, like, picturing this as, like, a, you know, I'll be back on my feet, like, March next year or uh-huh. April next year. I am, like, recognizing, like, looking at my patterns. So if you have patterns you can look at, like, how do you generally do seasonally, that might help. Then you're not feeling such existential dread of, like, oh, I'm just going to be sick forever. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the summer months can be better, I don't know if you found that no.
0: no I was working so much in the summer
1: yeah That it were, was
0: like this that was the terrible summer yeah I felt awful
1: I felt awful too but I had more energy to do things
0: <laughs> yeah there's so much pressure in the summer to do things too yeah, it's totally. like you have all this daylight to do all the things and yet I was still like in my dark apartment like just feeling sad about my life
1: imagine just living on a farm in the summer how good you'd feel mm.
0: We should go woofing next summer.
1: Okay. I have too many animals for
0: that. Oh, right. You can't leave the animals. I have a
1: cat and two rabbits. Dozer, are you going to look after
0: them? Dozer could come with us. It would be a good experience for him. It would be
1: a lot to manage.
0: Yeah.
1: He would love the farm life,
0: though. <laughs> he would. I want to get a farm just so he can have somewhere to run around.
1: Dozer, you want to go run in on, on a farm, honey? I mean?
0: Well, we're gonna pee. I gotta pee. Thanks thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks for listening. Amen. Amen. Wow, I can't believe you listened that long. Thanks for tuning in, and
0: you know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, and tune in for next episode. Catch you on the flippity-flop, friends.